Hello everyone and welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Here with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Bett, Justin Reedhammer, Peter Amarante, and Nathan Romanoff. With today's special guest, Sean McMenamin. Our topics today, football mania. We got Sam talking about fantasy football. What world is this? And then we got Justin talking about the first few weeks of the NFL season. Now here's Sam Bet Sam. Fantasy football? What has college done to you? Switching it up like this? I know, Jake. Uh, it's very interesting for me to be talking about any sort of football topic. But recently, uh, uh, last month actually, is when I joined your uh, fantasy league with Justin, Peter, Nate, and some of our other friends. And you know what? It's been very interesting because I've been able to kind of learn a little bit more about football and also be more invested in it too. Like I've been able to watch a couple more games usually. And I mean, we're in the third week here right now. So we've seen some interesting things uh, between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers kind of having a having a very interesting game um, and losing their first game of the season to having like Russell Wilson, who's my quarterback, going off uh, the first two weeks and then kind of dipping off with only one touchdown and the loss to uh, Minnesota earlier today. But, you know, it's so interesting because like you get to see like kind of how your players like score points in different ways, kind of like and also like kind of just watching you like beat your friends and family into oblivion <laughs> as you like take control. So oh my much. gosh, Sam! What has this turned you into? You're taking it's out so your family. The, the, violence, <laughs> the violence. We have families. We have yeah. And you know, there's some things that I really kind of like that I really like about fantasy football. You kind of there's different ways to do it too. Like I know some of my some of my other friends here at college have a league where they have two quarterbacks. Uh, they have like an additional flex player. I know we're kind of doing it like a very like kind of just simple way, like one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers tight end flex, uh, defense, and a kicker. And, you know, I kind of really like that a little bit better. You're kind of able to just kind of, like, you have your main, like, quarterback, and then you're able to kind of space out your wide receivers and skill guys as well. It's really cool. I like that. When you pick your first player, you want it to be someone who is a captain, who is a team leader, who's going to take their team all the way to the playoffs. And you know who I picked first? <laughs> who is who it, Sam? That, Sam? Who is who it, is Sam? Neil Elliott first. Oh. Terrible pick. Oh, boo. boo. No. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. What pick did you have? What pick did you have? I had the eighth pick. Oh. Ooh. I had the eighth pick overall. And I chose Ezekiel Elliott because I know that the Dallas Cowboys are kind of be, are having a chance in maybe even taking a first place spot in that league, as we've discussed like a couple times. <laughs> Uh, they're oh gonna do better gosh. than the Eagles, at least. So, I think that <laughs> I think that I Sam thought Ezekiel Elliott would be good because uh, he's been like a he's been like a top running back in the past couple of years. Obviously, he's had a, he's had some issues uh, off the field, but he yeah he hasn't really performed as well as I wanted him to. I don't even think he's he actually. I think there's one night where he had double digit points, and I believe that was yes, it was week two. He had 17 uh, with 71 yards rushing and a touchdown. Who was that against, Sam? Do you know? Uh, the Chargers, yes. That is against the Chargers. So, I mean, pretty formidable. He did pretty well there. But I don't know if he's going to be able to make, make sure he – or even, like, keep that consistent because – and I know that's kind of tough because when you have, like – especially, like, at this point where there aren't too many running options left in free agency and no one really wants to take Ezekiel in a trade. So you kind of just have to run with it, see where it goes. I mean, I mean, not to mix in trades here, but we're talking fantasy football. I mean, you know, anything can happen. You know, some some team, not naming names, but uh, could use a wide receiver and could be willing, could be willing to take on Elliot in in a possible trade. Well, you know, I've had my um, issues with wide receivers too. Um, I mean, I have DK Metcalf and Mike Evans who are really good. Sometimes they kind of both don't go off necessarily. Sometimes, like Mike Evans, the first week only had five points. DK Metcalf had one like low scoring game with like eleven points. But I mean, like then you have guys like Jerry Judy who you really wanted to put in like double digit points for your team, and then he ends up getting injured for four to six weeks. Yeah, that sucks as a, a Broncos fan. But then you, get, but then another thing I love about fantasy football is you pick up some guys who you've never even heard of before. Like I have Jacoby Myers of the New England Patriots. I've never heard of this guy before. He scored 18 points for me in the flex position this year, uh, in this game, or well, this week, 
uh, against in this week, in this minute, and he's scoring points all the time. time. He's scoring all a moment of time. Legendary. He's a point beast. He's been. I. He's. There's two games where he's gotten double digit points, and then this week was his best. Even though the Patriots lost twenty eight to thirteen, he had eighteen points with uh, nine receptions and ninety four yards. So I mean. It's just about finding those like guys who are kind of just under the radar. Maybe people don't know about them too much, but then you kind of get to discover like a whole new player that you can add to your weapon. I have to, I have to say, Sam, that is a good point you bring up about picking up guys that you know nobody expects. Because I'll bring it back to last season's fantasy. I was playing in the league, of course, and I picked up a guy in week two. His name, James Robinson. I had no idea who this guy was. Undrafted free agent for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Picked him up, seeing he had a good week one. Ends up having an explosive year, became my flex player. And, you know, he was really solid. And the fact that I had this, you know, top five running back in as a flex was just monster, you know, in the games that I had. So, yeah, I think that picking those guys up that really just have no no name you know those are the guys that are really going to make an impact on your fantasy team and we're talking like booming or busting like fantasy players like guys you would expect to do great and don't and the guys who you would expect to do kind of you don't know but they end up doing great like that's that's the kind of the thrill of fantasy when you're like oh i should have put him in or him in but at the same time like this game of football has changed so much over the years with the rules and with the abilities of these players that I think that you can't, other than your, you know, Tyreek Hill or, you know, people to that caliber who are given amazing players, Tyreek Hill, Derrick Henry, guys to the extent, like those are for certain players, you know, he's going to do good. But, you know, you, you can have a no-name player break out and do amazing. And you're like, wait, I never expected that. And then you can have a situation when you have, like, I have Aaron Rodgers on my on my team. First week, scored three whole points. That's like a kicker kind of score. Like, and I'm, my kicker outscored my quarterback. You don't expect those kind of things. And I think that's what makes fantasy interesting, like you guys were saying, is you don't know what's going to happen to fantasy. And especially how much the game has changed with penalties and whether you're playing PPR or not PPR. I think that's kind of, it changes the whole, like, formula formula of fantasy. And I want to ask an open floor question, um, going back to the Ezekiel Elliott idea. Do you think that Tony Pollard has anything to do with that? Because I've seen Tony Pollard play. I watched him. He's not bad. He's actually pretty decent. So what do you guys think? Do you think that's affecting Zeke's game at all? Yes, I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up, Pollard. I, at this point, Tony Pollard scares me more than Ezekiel Elliott does. Eagles Cowboys matchup Monday Night Football. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be focused on Pollard. Obviously Ezekiel Elliott's the main back, the the bell cow runner there, and he's he's had some great games against the Eagles specifically. But but yeah, I think you know Pollard. He may be breathing down Zeke's neck. Zeke may feel that pressure a little bit, uh, and he hasn't had the best performances this season. He had you know one one solid game I guess through through only two games though. It's a very small sample size, but I think uh, Pollard's Pollard's a speed back. He has the, the shiftiness, and I'll be honest, I mean, Zeke, obviously the power back, he has speed too, but but some part of Pollard's game, I just think he has that, that little different element that, that he can add in and uh, torch, torch opponents at some points of the game where the Cowboys really need him. Speaking in terms of fantasy, though, do you think he's a valid flex option? I would say, yeah, I would say he's a solid flex, definitely. I think he can, I mean, we've seen it, he gets, he gets carries, uh, he can catch from the backfield too. I think him and Dak, they have they have some connections. He's been on the Cowboys for a couple of years now, so yeah, I think I think he's a solid option there. If if you know it comes to that point, we had flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. I mean, Zeke doesn't do much catching in the backfield. I mean, you know, he has this one or two tosses here or there, but I think of Zeke as more of like a power runner. Like he's more like kind of straight through the pocket, like blast through as hard as he can. Whereas Pollard's more jumpy, he's more catch it on the side or in the backfield and then run for more yards than Zeke would. I think that Sean explained it really well. I think he's breathing down Zeke's neck and maybe here in the near future we might see more Pollard than we will see Ezekiel Elliott. I think in terms of fantasy numbers, it's less about what Zeke and Pollard bring to the table and more about what the defenses are preparing for. Because we know that as Zeke being the number one back, they're going to be looking at Zeke a lot more than they're going to look at Pollard. And so... When Zeke lines up in the backfield, they're going to know pretty much everything that he can do to them. And so they're going to be prepared a lot more for when Pollard just kind of shows up and, you know, takes it, take the ball on third down or catches the ball. 
So I think that it definitely has to do with more of the preparation. But yeah, I think that in that sense, Pollard can be more of a fantasy option than Zeke can. I think that's really important for teams too now with these running backs who have a main running back. Think about Las Vegas, you know, Josh Jacobs, amazing running back. But then you have Kenyon Drake, who also can catch passes in the backfield and run for some pretty good yardage. So teams not only have to now look at the main running back and what his game plan is, but if I was a coach and I was, you know, talking to my players, I'd have them watch both running backs' game plan because you got to be ready. Like you said, you got to be ready for anything. But most importantly, study both players so you're not thrown off by the fact that Pollard replaces Zeke or Kenyon Drake replaces Josh Jacobs, you know, things like that. And I think that's another part of how much the game has changed now. Yeah, and Pete, just to add to that, um, a great example of that was today. Exactly. Cleveland Browns. I know I played Joe in the our other league, and he had Chubb. And Chubb did not have a good game. But, you know who did? Him, Kareem I Hunt. Him, I know. Kareem Hunt had a great game for them. So you have to always be aware with running backs especially. And on teams like that, such as Dallas, such as Vegas, and such as Cleveland, the backups, you know, they do get a sufficient amount of time to make an impact. And when you're looking at it in terms of fantasy, whether it's to be an insurance policy, because let's face it, running backs do get injured, as we all saw last year. Or if you're just looking for a flex, you know, you have to be prepared for, you have to look at all running back scenarios and backups, especially for certain teams, such as the ones we have it's discussed. It's crucial in this game. It's crucial. I think it's important to, uh, to, to circle back to what, what Peter said and how the game has grown. This is where the game's going. All, most teams are going with that two running back. Uh, Bills, Singletary, Moss, uh, bringing, going it back to the Eagles. You have Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, who they draft. I mean, a lot of these teams, not only to have that security blanket mixing in with the money and the payday that some of these guys are getting and having that guy that, hey, if this guy's going to break out, don't have to pay the top guy. The top guy can go, I mean, looking at it maybe outside of a fantasy option, but also, too, the the analytics, how analytically based the game is and how, you know, based on certain scenarios, certain downs, certain percentages, how teams run with, again, Pollard or Elliott or, you know, Jacobs or Drake and, and how that's moving towards, you know, connecting fantasy, the analytics side of the game to how the game is progressing. Yeah, 100%. And going off of the, the two running back committee kind of thing, I saw today, uh, obviously, Jamal Williams on the Lions. Him and DeAndre Swift both putting up big numbers for fantasy. I mean, Williams as a backup, he's still got 14 points in my one league. Uh, and then, you know, for the Rams even, Daryl Henderson was out today. Sony Michelle stepped up big time. Dalvin Cook being out for the Vikings too. Patterson, I just have to mention that. Patterson, you know, going off. Like, huge, huge time. Uh, game for him today you know he stepped up in a big way so uh, yeah I think it, it's very important that you got uh that teams have two running backs that they can they can give de- uh the defenses two different looks and they have to prepare extra for those types of players so I think it's huge in this game and like Jacob said you know the game's changing and you got to be you got to be prepared to to stop anyone coming out of the backfield now Sean question for you you mentioned um Dalvin Cook being out which he was in Madison going off for Vikings do you think that changes up the Vikings game plan a little bit? Because, you know, they had those two running back game plans, but I think Madison really proved himself today. I think he really showed the Vikings coaching staff, his teammates, what he could do. So do you think they might change up the game plan where they play him and Cook like interchangeably more often? Yeah, I think it definitely could. That's a great point, whether, you know, Madison's catching passes out of the backfield. Obviously, Dalvin Cook, he, he's the he's the main runner when he's healthy. So I think I think we could see Madison get a lot more playing time. And to give the defenses more looks, it goes back on, on my previous point. I just think it's important to have, you know, as many weapons as you can on offense because you, got, you have to get creative in this NFL. I mean, defensive coaches, they're only getting smarter, I think, year after year. They watch so much game film and tape and whatnot. So you got to be ready for, for everything. And, yeah, I think, you know, that, that Vikings running back committee could, could change in a, in a um, not a big way necessarily, but, you know, to an extent, I think. Because let's be honest, Dalvin Cook, one of, one of the best running backs in the league, and he, he's not going to give up his number one spot anytime soon. But, you know, they did I was going to say, cover your ears, uh, Dalvin Cook fantasy owners. Cover <laughs> yeah, your ears yeah, yeah. in this You're conversation. Okay. You're okay. You're <laughs> okay. You are safer than Ezekiel Elliott fantasy owners. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> Sam's shaking his head over there. Displeased. 
moving from the running back to kind of wide receivers, and uh, you know, most leagues it's it's two. And and I mean, what what have what have your your groups looks look like so far? Of course, mine. I have one carrying my team in one league, and then others. I have a few more. I think I think two is the way to go. I don't know what you guys think. Two good ones, I mean. Two, like, really good ones. DK Metcalf and Mike Evans, they've hit, sometimes they had some bumps. Like, I know, like, Mike Evans, like I said earlier, had, like, five points, like, the first week. Mike Evans today had 18 points with eight receptions and 106 yards. DK Metcalf had 22 points with 107 yards and a touchdown. I mean, your wide receivers are a very important part. They're some of the main scorers, like, on your fantasy team like you want to make sure you have some good ones some guys who are going to go out get some yards and even get a couple touchdowns here and there yeah i'm i'm on the other side of the spectrum right now you know my fantasy football wide receivers look like literally look like a roller coaster um aj brown unfortunately got hurt today i'm hoping that's not for a long time but yeah i think that julio jones is kind of stealing the show from him a little bit you know they're not giving as much connection as i would have liked but at the same time, I have Robert Woods, who I'm not mad about. I think that the Rams are so good this year that, of course, Cooper Cup is their top receiver. Number Deadly one guy. Deadly duo. Deadly duo. Deadly duo, exactly. You either have Cooper Cup on one side, who's, who's almost guaranteed to get the ball, and if you're not worried about him, you're worried about Robert Woods because he, he, he's, a, he's a viable receiver, and, I have, and I'm happy about him. I looked at Arizona's game plan, and I saw, you know, reading through the stats and reading through their game plan, who they've got. First of all, Arizona, breakout team this year. I mean, Kyler Murray's deadly. You know, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, but we'll probably get to that later. But I looked at Rondale Moore, and he didn't have the best game today. You know, he's he's a big boomer bust guy. He's a wide receiver. But I did read that the coaching staff wants to get more touches to him because Kyler Murray, as you know, is, is kind of like a Lamar Jackson. He's either running or he's throwing the ball deep. So I think that on those deep bombs, he'll be more of an option for me later on in fantasy. But we'll see. I mean, I'd say wide receiver course is the weakest spot for my fantasy team because I have a really viable backup quarterback. Thank you, Matthew Stafford. But we'll just have to see where, where the wide receivers take me in my fantasy league. Yeah, to answer your question, Jacob, I actually had a – a very good, I think, receiving core heading into the, uh, the season. In my one league especially, so it was a keeper league, and one of my keepers was Stephon Diggs, and then I ended up getting Justin Jefferson and who was it? I think they got hurt recently. Mike Evans. No, Mike Evans. Je- Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, and then I ended up picking uh, Devontae Smith. So I was very happy with that that type of... Uh, how did you manage that? Yeah, oh go my birds. Gosh. I don't know how. Was that, yeah. that's a, that's, is that an eight team? Is that an eight team no. or a ten team? Well, yes, it is eight. It is eight because two two of the guys teamed up to, to form one team. So, yeah, eight team league. Um, and then the other wow. ones, it's, yeah. So, I think it's it's mostly a strong point on my on most of my teams. Uh, oh, but yeah. then again, I'm in some leagues with six to eight people. So, it, it's like you have to have a, a stacked team, you know. But, hey, but smart yeah. drafting on your part. Credit Thank to you. you. That's smart drafting, man. Appreciate it, man. So, yeah, I, I like my receivers at this point. Yeah, I think receivers are such a big part of fantasy. I mean, last season I had some pretty great receivers. I had Keenan Allen. I had uh, Mike Evans. And they can really change the game for you. I mean, I remember week 16, divisional round of the playoffs for us, and uh, I was up against big man Joe, and he had Alvin Kamara who had those six touchdowns. That was tough to overcome, but... You know, you get a guy like Mike Evans putting up 30 points, you know, that's going to really help you out. So receivers can really change the game, and especially in PPR leagues, receivers are so, so important, you know, because every single reception is just another point on the board. So, yeah, receivers super important this year. Got McLaurin, got Godwin, so I'm feeling pretty good about receiving cores here. And I think that's important for our viewers who are listening. Don't necessarily take all advice and say, oh, I got to switch to automatic good receivers. If you're in PPR... I'd aim for more better receivers than runners. Running game is actually also very important in every kind of situation. But I say in PPR, I don't know. I think the receivers are a bit more important on who you have than your running backs are. I mean, yeah, you want good running backs who are going to put up viable points. But again, it's PPR. Every Like Justin said, every single reception tacks on another point. So I think that if you're stuck with a lower end running back, say, I mean, I can't say like a lower end running back, but for Atlanta's running back, who's decent, but you know, 
he plays for Atlanta, which is unfortunate for him. But, like, you know, I'd focus more on getting, like, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, you know, receivers like that who are more viable to put up in the teens points or 20s or 30s, 20 points, you know. So I think that it's important to know what kind of league you're in and how many points they're putting up. Yeah, I'll just uh, speak real quickly on uh, receivers, at least from my perspective. Like you said, they they are important. I uh, I was able to get Tyreek and Stefan in our league this year, and I was very happy about that. It did come at the cost of perhaps running backs, which I'm with Chris Carson and Kareem Hunt currently. But I'm looking all right. Should have played Kareem Hunt today, but I didn't. I don't know why I did that, but I decided not to. Receivers are big, and I'll say, and you know, I... Like, you, you have to, you know, look at receivers year to year. But there's guys who come out of nowhere. Uh, Mike Ev- um, Mike Williams for the Chargers this year, having a great year thus far. I know Lockett is having a great year. Uh, Jake, you'd know about that. There's a lot of guys, like you said, P- PPR leagues, receivers are important. But you can't underestimate also the value of running backs. Um, that's why it's important when you're in a PPR league to look at running backs who are also capable of getting out of the backfield and catching the ball. So receivers... And running backs, just as important in some cases, you just got to have a game plan and execute it when you come to drafting. All right. Uh, there's two like quick things I wanted to end uh, in my fantasy experience. Uh, first off, injuries are a killer. If a lot of your guys are injured or if you have like some key players that are injured, like your starting quarterback or like maybe one of those wide receivers we just talked about, you're kind of screwed. I mean, and you have to go. Then you have to go. You can try to get a trade or there are people like available in free agency who you can pick up. So right now my backup quarterback Tua Tagovailoa is has recently um acquired a rib injury and is currently on the injury reserve list. Right now Russell Wilson is kind of like my is he's he's top 5 quarterback in the, of the season easily. But I kind of want someone for when they have that buy to come up. I need someone to get there. So now I have to go uh, there's no way I'm securing a trade without like giving away like half my team. Like, <laughs> Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> exactly. Peter makes a really good point. I'm looking here at Sam Darnold, who uh, the former uh, quarterback of the Sam. Sam is gonna be seeing ghosts soon. He's <laughs> Sam Darnold in <laughs> fantasy. Um, I also was looking at um Tyler Heineke as well of the Washington uh, football team as he put up some big numbers. <laughs> Look at Justin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He put up some big numbers today, all right. Yeah, put up some big numbers today. Oh, man. Maybe you need to take Peter's Peter's advice with the matchups. Sam, Sam. Sam, I'm going to be honest with you. Most of that yardage was off of one play. So I would not trust it. Thank you, Justin. He did have a great throw last week, too. Sam, I'm going to give you advice from being the idiot of the group. Don't pick up players based off of one-week performances. Okay, in yeah, past, I know. That's, I mean, in the that's past, fair, I have made that like, mistake. That looks pretty good. Trust me, you want a more viable option like Sam Darnold, who you know is going to start for that team, and pick up him. for. It's just a backup quarterback for when your guy is off one day or one week. It's not like you're playing him every week. I personally, now, I could be wrong, Sam Darnold is way more viable than Heineke is. Just saying. Don't pick up Heineke because he had one or two good games. I've made that mistake in the past. Bro, it bites you in the butt and it hurts. I, I think I think that's a perfect, perfect uh, segue into the into covering the NFL outside of fantasy. Justin, the host of the NFL section. What do, what do you have for the first few weeks? Alright, thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Sam, for the fantasy topics. But let's move on to the actual NFL. Let's get to the real stuff. And we're going to start off, of course, with week one action. Least favorite week of all the weeks, personally. But uh... <laughs> Oh, is that because your team up. lost? Is that because your team lost? It's uh, least favorite now? Well, we'll cover, we'll cover that. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, yeah, coming up in week one, we had the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. A surprising finish in this one, 23-16, the final score here. Most people, uh, all of us, except for, of course, Cameron, who is unfortunately not here, however picked uh, the Bills to win this game, and yet they did not end up winning because, honestly, the offense just didn't get moving. And that defense that Pittsburgh has was opportunistic, very opportunistic, and they even caused a special team's touchdown on a blocked punt. So, honestly, it was terrible execution by, I think, both offenses. It's just that the offense of the Pittsburgh Steelers gave up less than the Bills' offense, and it just showed in the final score. I think that... um... What happened in that game was you saw 
the New York Jets of last year start for the Steelers. You know, they came out looking like the New York Jets from last year. I mean, terrible. You I mean, mean the New York Jets sloppy. for the past, like, 10 years? I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> even that. Past then, no, no discredits to the Bills or anything, but, like, when the Steelers came out in the second half, I don't know what the coach said, whether he gave them crack cocaine or he said you're all fired if you lose this game, but they looked like a whole new team. The Steelers' defense was tight the second half of that game. And I think that was the I think that was the biggest game changer. Uh, yeah, I I think um, you, you look at that game. I mean the steel. I mean Ben Roethlisberger. I don't really think play. He hasn't played that great this entire season so far. I, I think that was more on on the defense for for the um, for for the Steelers. I mean uh, T J. Watt. I, I I think the pressure that they disrupted with that offense. I mean, we, we just are not to jump the gun, of course, to to week three action in week one. But, I mean, this Bills offense is going to be explosive. And the way the Steelers in Buffalo, I, I think that that's props to them. And, I mean, unfortunately, their offense might be the downfall of the team. And, I mean, their defense is great, but their offense still has to get their footing. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Jacob. I think... The main story was the Pittsburgh defense. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, that game only threw for 188 yards, uh, only completed 18 passes, too, matter of fact. And they really they limited that, that Buffalo offense, especially especially in the second half. The Bills only scored six points in that second half, so that, that was a, obviously a key part of the game. Uh, Diggs led the team receptions, nine receptions, 69 yards. That was about it they had in the air. So, I mean, I, I think it was a, an opening statement win for the Steelers. We know what they did. These past two weeks, but it was a great start to the yeah, and they plummeted a little. Great start to the season though, um, and you know props to that defense for sure. Uh, Again, the stops when they need it. Yeah, I definitely have a theory on that though. I think that what might have happened was the Bills probably got a little complacent, thinking, "Hey, this these Steelers team, they're not that yeah. good. We can probably they beat them." They settled and too early. I think the Steelers had chip on their shoulders, saying, "Hey, we got to win this game. This team is better than us. We need to show the team." the rest of the NFL that they're not. And so this first week, the Bills ended up losing, the Steelers ended up winning. And then the past few weeks, things have started to change. So, you know. Yeah. I think that while we're on the Steelers, Steelers' biggest problem is getting their offense together. I mean, we've said it a couple times now, but, you know, Najee Harris in three games has totaled, I think, less less yards than Derrick Henry runs in one. Now, okay, to it's be Derek Henry. Derek Henry Statcast Henry right there. Peter Henry. is going to be Derek working Henry. for Statcast. But he That's came some into, great I think stats right Najee there. Najee Harris came into this game with 85 total yards. Okay, that's I'm not a professional. That's not what you want to be coming into week three with. That many yards. As a, as a praised running back in college, that's not what you want to be coming into the pros with. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, he's, uh, he's getting old. I get it, you know. He's kind of on the decline, but again, the throwing game isn't all there, you know. Of course, Johnson was out this week. I think that played a role in their loss today. But I think that the Steelers' defense knows what they're doing. They have their game down. I'll just say it. Steelers' defense, solid defense. Steelers' offense, losing games for them. All right, then I guess we can move on to another game here. I just want to cover this one real quick. The Denver Broncos at the New York Giants. The Broncos starting out their season undefeated, 27-13, to the final score here. Great play over there for the Broncos, really doing well. I was very impressed with Teddy, and Teddy has continued to play very well, I think. It's a good fit with the Denver offense. Um, I'm certainly glad that we picked him up. I think he's an improvement over Drew Locke, and I think it shows. I mean, the team is off to a 3-0 start. Now I am aware that we've only played the Giants and the Jets and uh, Jacksonville. But a 3-0 start is a good start to the season, no matter what way you put it. So we'll take that. And the Giants, on the other hand, you know, unfortunately, are the opposite. So, you know, two teams in opposite directions right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. It was a, it was a big opening win for the Broncos, like you said. I mean, they haven't had a tough schedule, but they're getting the job done. That's all that matters. I, I also... Like what I've seen from Teddy Bridgewater, you know, uh, the week one win, he threw for two touchdowns. And how about the Broncos defense? They've been playing very well, too. 
granted, you know, not the best teams, but they're still getting the turnovers, still doing well in fantasy too. They, uh, I picked them up today. They had 34 points in my one league, so that was big. And yeah, I mean, back to the week one win though, they got two big fourth down stops against the Giant, uh, Giants offense and I believe it was second half, maybe fourth quarter, but you know, got the job done. Like I said, I've been stressing the defense. I like what I've seen from them too. So yeah, I mean, Broncos definitely, definitely a team possibly watch out for. We'll see. We'll see. Talking about what Sean mentioned with the Broncos defense, I know Sean wasn't on the episode, but we talked about that last year before the NFL season. This NFL season started when we were talking about the draft and what the NFL, each NFL team needs to do. And we, I think majority of us said that the Broncos need to focus on their defense, you know, hopefully get a replacement for Drew Locke. And I think that's just what they did. And I, I, like you said, Sean, I think that's a really good decision that really paid off for them. Yeah, Patrick Sertan has played very well. So he has. I was very has. happy with that pick. Yeah, I mean, to to plug also other episodes, the draft episode, we mentioned that, had that conversation. And yeah, it, it's paid off so far. Patrick Sertan, of course, Nate, Micah Parsons, the Penn State guy, tough. He's played very well, too. We'll probably get into that as well. But yeah, Sertan playing well in that secondary. Broncos can't can't complain. I can't complain. <laughs> Two good options right now. But yeah, excited to see what the uh, what the Broncos, if they can continue it against a tougher schedule moving forward. I just want to say, I mean, the Giants, they're just terrible. They, I, I believe it's like a 273 winning percentage over the past years. I mean, just horrible. If you're a Giants fan... I'm sorry, you have no argument against any other team right now. <laughs> no. you're, you're Nate, just... Nate, is, Nate is a partial giant. He's a, that's his second team. Okay. So, yeah. Thankfully. Yes, it's a second team. My mom roots for them. All but right, I'm going right. to stick with the Broncos. I'm going to stick with the Broncos this year. You, know? <laughs> you have to. You have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Giants 0-3, not looking good at all. They're, they're a dumpster fire. They do have one defense. At least they're not Jets fans. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. I guess every fan in the I NFL mean... has that defense, though. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, we'll go on then in this week of upsets to another one that was quite shocking, at least I thought, for this first week. Although I would have said this was possible, maybe not by this much. The Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans. Arizona winning 38-13. to what a huge win for the Cardinals in a game that I thought would at least be close, but the Cardinals made quick work of Tennessee. This was a team we, we've talked about, uh, not not to continue to bring up the podcast, but I mean, we've had some good football episodes, but yeah, I yeah. mean, we talked about the Cardinals as being kind of a wild card. Okay, this NFC West best division in football i'd say pretty pretty confidently and they're making a claim as one of the the best team in the division hey jake i'm just gonna say real quick i picked the cardinals to win the division all right yeah, that's all yeah, i'm gonna yeah, say yeah, so. yeah and i don't doubt that i don't doubt that as i was saying before these cardinals this is their year i, I just gotta say it. they are a breakout team they, they are have a destructive offense very good receivers very kyler murray i mean he throws fadeaways in the NFL off the back foot. He's running. He's running trick plays. It's Kyler frickin' Murray. I mean, he's doing amazing Said. things. And Said. Exactly. <laughs> and and the defense. The defense is showing up. I mean, countless sacks. You know, I, and especially in week one, which was the Titans' downfall. All those sacks. I mean, that's phenomenal. I really think that when, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying when the Cardinals make it to the playoffs, they're not just going to play the playoffs and win. They're going to do a lot of damage this year. I think I think that if anything, like Nate said, they'll win the division. And I think this is the year the Cardinals do it. Because they have a very destructive offense and a defense that can hold their own. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, they're in a very tough division. But, I mean, Kyler Murray has been very impressive this start of the season. He's looked phenomenal. And that week one win, he had five total touchdowns. Uh, let me see how many, how many yards he had. About 289. I mean, he was just torching the Titans early on. The connection with him and DeAndre Hopkins, we knew. But how about uh, Rondell Jones? You know, just just looking great. I know you guys mentioned him earlier. So, I mean, they're they're, they're a fun team to watch. They're dangerous. Kyler Murray. I, I think he could. He's making his case for MVP. It's only three weeks oh, in yeah. the season, but but you we should all watch out for him because he, I think he's going to continue to get better. He he's always been you know criticized for his, his height and whatnot, but he's proven all of those people wrong. I think right now, and it it's exciting to see. And how about Chandler Jones in that first game? I believe it was what five sacks, just 
just went off, you know. So for us and for us and Taylor Lewan to publicly yeah. uh, <laughs> say sorry, apologize yeah. to the fans. Yeah. You're doing something right. <laughs> You're doing that. Hey, Kyler Murray representing the short athletes out there. Love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this Cardinals team ever since late last year, the Cardinals offense has really started to grow and get stronger. And I, and like we've all been saying, Sean, Jake, me, Nate. Everybody, this Cardinals team is a force to be reckoned with this year. And it's entertaining, too. I mean, it's like Sean said, it's so much fun to watch Kyler Murray play. So I think that, yeah, watch out for the Cardinals this year. Okay, we'll move on real quick just to try and finish up week one here. we got the Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, 29-33, to 33, the final score here. Chiefs haven't been playing very well. We'll get to them a little bit later, but they barely won this one. Green Bay Packers, Orle- New Orleans Saints, another game that nobody Don't really expected me. to happen. 3-38, to 38, the final score here. Completely shut down Aaron Rodgers. Two interceptions in that game. And then finally in this one, we had the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders. 27-33, to 33, the final score here. Again, didn't see this one coming. The Baltimore Ravens, heavy favorites, getting beat by the Las Vegas Raiders in this Raiders one. are another team to look out for this year. I mean, not as strong. I, okay, I can't say not as strong, but there's a clear difference between the Cardinals and the Raiders. But again, Derek Carr. With rugs or Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs, like we talked about earlier, Kenyon Drake, that offense has so many different schemes that they could play that I think is really helping them win the games. They have a pretty good defense, but I think what's really key is that they're playing these different offensive schemes that the defense can't read it quick enough to be able to cover it well enough. And I think that's what their advantage is. Yeah, that was a really exciting uh, Monday Night Football game between the the uh, the Raiders and the Ravens going to overtime. We had thought the Raiders had won, and then, you know, it looked as if the Ravens were maybe going to steal it, but then ultimately the Raiders got the victory. That, that was such a, an entertaining game, I think, to start off the season on Monday Night Football. And, yeah, listen, the Raiders, they've looked very impressive. Derek Carr has that connection with with some guys, Darren Waller, uh, you know. Even even today, Peyton, Peyton Barber, like the third running back, I did not expect him to – to have a big game. He had 111 yards, ran for a touchdown too. So they have some key contributors there. Henry Ruggs also, you mentioned that, Peter. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're an exciting team. Also have a, have a great defense. So man, a lot of the teams in this uh, this AFC West or whatnot, uh, they, they look very impressive, I think, to start the season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think looking at the Raiders and, and, and bringing up a poet kind of Peter. Peter was having trouble naming the guy and uh, naming some of the, the players. Uh, Sean brought it up, Waller. But, I mean, you look at it compared to the strength of some other teams, some other undefeated teams so far. And, I mean, yeah, Josh Jacobs has been hurt. Kenyon Drake's been in there. Ruggs has made some big plays. Hunter, uh, Hunter Renfro stepping up. The former Clemson wide receiver making some catches. It's been a combination of a lot of different guys and I'm really intrigued to see how John Gruden continues to play this season again tough division and against other AFC powerhouses as the season goes on like the Bills like the Browns Steelers you know we got a lot of other good teams outside of the division not a team I would expect to be undefeated just got to put that out there not a team I'd expect to be undefeated especially being the Ravens in week one no, for sure. And another player, I forgot, Zay Jones, obviously getting, getting the game-winning touchdown on that Monday night game. So he's a big weapon. He works hard, obviously. And, uh, yeah, who would have thought the, the Raiders, 3-0, they'll be leading the division after three weeks. And, and the um, Kansas City Chiefs at 1-2 and two at the bottom. I know it, it's very surprising. Who would have thought? Not Crazy. Me. Crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah, speaking of the... the- you know, Kansas City Chiefs losing week two. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens in a thrilling game, 35-36, to 36, the final score here. Just insane how this one ended. It ended on a fumble recovery by the, the Chiefs. Like, it's just so many miscues in this game. Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball. It just it did not look like the Chiefs that we know. I don't want to discredit the Ravens, but I'll just say it now. They've gotten bailed out by Justin Tucker so many freaking times. And this week especially, we'll talk about it. But the Ravens have come points, like singular or double points, from winning games every single week this, in this season. Look, Ravens, they're a decent team. Like I said, not trying to discredit them. But they have been bailed out by either a field goal, extra, uh, record-breaking field goal, like this week, by Justin Tucker, or a mess-up by the other team, a fumble, 
in every single game. That's true. But credit credit to the uh, the Ravens winning that game against the Chiefs on that fourth down. Lamar Jackson said to Harbaugh, hey, let's go for it. Let's put the game away. Risky decision there, but obviously if you get it, the game's over. They got the job done. I, I was very happy for Lamar that game that – you know, the way he played and the fact that he was able to get that kind of signature win, I think it can really jumpstart this, this Ravens side. Yeah, I think I think you look at the Ravens, um, and um, for them, it, it's going to be about passing. Uh, I mean, we know how good Lamar is on the ground, but it, it's going to be through the air. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, had a few drops uh, today in their game against the Lions. Mark Andrews, he's been hit or miss, but I, I think the passing game, they added Sammy Watkins. That's what's going to take them to the next level. The defense looked good uh, week three against the Lions, but struggled the first two weeks against good offenses so far. So I don't know how to really gauge them, but that really, really tough uh, division to be a part of for the Ravens. Yeah, and let's cover another great game. Tennessee Titans, Seattle Seahawks, 33-30 to final in overtime. What a great game this was. Back and forth, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, everybody was doing great. Derrick Henry had a monster second half. And this one ended up going in the Tennessee Titans' favor, but still an amazing game and really more of what I thought I'd see from the Titans, yet still not to where I thought it would be. Yes, very, very exciting Week 2 matchup there. Titans getting the the victory in overtime, as you mentioned, uh, a game where they really rebounded nicely from that Week 1 loss to the Cardinals that we had touched on. And, I mean, this Seahawks team, their offense is obviously very explosive, but the weakness, I think, is that defense, of course, I mean, you know what Russell Wilson can do with the partnership of, of him, Lockett, and then him and DK Metcalf and whatnot. But, I mean, they just the, the Seahawks' defense were not able to stop Derrick Henry, especially in that second half. He had a total of 182 yards that day, three touchdowns. I mean, he was just, just going off, you know, beast, beast mode runs there, basically, in that second half. And Julio Jones kind of had his coming out party, too, with 128 yards that game. Uh, so you know those are those are, were some big numbers in that game that that stood out to me at least. And this Titans team, Mike Vrabel at the helm, you know they're I, they're definitely the clear cut choice to win their division at least in that AFC South. And I really don't think they'll, they'll have too much of a problem in, in doing that. Yeah, I mean uh, that Titans team, like you said, great rebound win for them. Derrick Henry killed me in fantasy. Justin, uh, I know he was amazing for you. But um, even in that game, the resilience for them, they were down to come back late in the fourth quarter, get to overtime, and then seal the win. Um, it was a great win for them against a team who, like you said, in the Seahawks, you know what they have in their offense. But it's, again, their defense side of the ball that is lacking or letting them down thus far this season. And, you know, we'll see where both these teams go. Like, I, like you said, I do expect the Titans to win their division. The Seahawks, I think it'll be a fight for them to uh, – to win or um, if not win their division, they will, you know, be competing for a wild card at least in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. You, you guys really, really covered, covered it all in terms of both sides. But I, I think you look at the Titans moving forward. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's been up and down. And I think once they, you know, they played two incredibly tough teams from the NFC West to start. But, I mean, moving forward, I mean, he's been up and down, I think. Of course, when you have Derrick Henry uh, behind center, it makes life a whole lot easier. But Tannehill has still struggled passing the ball, throwing a few interceptions um, in this week three game against the the Colts. Uh, Not to jump the gun again, but I mean, moving forward, he's got to be, you know, of course, he he doesn't have to be, he's not going to be that quarterback that decides games like others are, but I mean... be being better for the team if he can step up and be a mid-level quarterback I think that really greatly improves their chances yeah for sure it does and I also want to cover up the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers 7 to 26 the final score here the Panthers game than week one yeah the Panthers just completely steamrolling over the New Orleans Saints who at this point uh, I thought would at least be you know second or so in their division but no, the Carolina Panthers really showing that they're a dominant force in this division. Sam Darnold really showing his stuff. Maybe, potentially, maybe he's an early MVP candidate himself, you know? I think that is actually kind of surprising. Not as surprising as the Raiders. But again, new team, new Sam Darnold. Is that what we're looking at? I mean, 
Sam Darnold has done great with with DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey un, up until his injury has run solid games and I think that you know not as much as the Cardinals or maybe maybe the Raiders maybe they're they're not as much of a dominant team but it's more surprising like I said with the Raiders it's surprising that they're undefeated and I think that a big factor is yes the Panthers have a pretty good defense but I also think it's it's Sam Donald has a chance to show us who Sam Donald could be as a quarterback instead of being stuck on the horrible team of the Jets I think he actually has a chance to prove himself as a quarterback, show the NFL what he could do, and I think that's why they're undefeated. Yeah, uh, Darnold has definitely looked impressive in his time with Carolina, and I'm also really glad he, he got a fresh start. I think he deserved that. He's a talented he guy. Just, just put him in the right system, and he's going to do his thing. He's been doing it uh, so far this year. Uh, he has sort of a connection with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, still kind of you know feeling things out a little whatnot. Uh, the injury of Christian McCaffrey, but we'll see how that may affect the team. But moving forward, but I mean, this was a big win for them. I did not expect, as Justin mentioned, a twenty-six to seven win over the Saints. When in Week One, the Saints you know blew the Packers out of the water. Um, that was in Florida, but still, I mean. Winston, he said in week one, his trainer told him to be prepared. He was not prepared in this week two matchup, that's for sure. Uh, and he had two interceptions going back to to the uh, interception happy Jameis uh, Winston that, that we know and, and we're all aware of. But yeah, I mean, it was a big win for the Panthers, of course, at home. And I'd like to see what they can do. Uh, Jacob and I, you know, Temple guys, Matt Rule at the helm. They they call him the Carolina Owls. So, you know, I'd like to see them do well. You know, I was going to touch on that, too. I think talking about Sam Donald, I think we have to give credit to the coaching staff. Matt Rule, I think, um, not to go into his background, but, you know, struggles in his first year with a place in a new environment. But it's year two, year three happened in college. Of course, there's that, you know, wondering transition and how it translates to the NFL, but it seems like he's built a culture down there. Again, not with the most talented guys, but with a culture that everyone buys into, and sometimes that, that's just the best best medicine. And Jameis Winston, maybe I guess that la- LASIK eye surgery mm. went yes. for one week, and uh, yeah. he's now back I to the old the Jameis. Wasn't, wasn't all that great. <laughs> all right, now we can move on to the third week this week of the NFL. It actually all went down today, and we're going to cover it here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Los Angeles Rams, Tom Brady falling for the first time this season, 24-34, to 34, the final score here. Thank Matt you, Stafford goodness. looking like a great quarterback again. This is a, just a great performance by the Rams, really showing that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in that tough NFC West division. And it just it's really just refreshing to see Tom Brady lose for once. You know? It is. It really is. And you know what? I'll be honest. I really want to see a Super Bowl without Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady in it. I really do. Patrick Mahomes in there. Even Mahomes, wow. Three, three I, years I, okay. and you're already saying okay. you don't want to see him. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I am because it's consecutive. I want to see new teams, new guys, new games out there. You're like You expect the same thing from Tom Brady. Deep pass, deep pass, deep pass. Let me crush my team on the sideline. Or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yes, he is a magical quarterback who can throw while he's not looking. He can throw while he's falling. Whatever he can he's throw doing, when he's not on the field. Exactly. He can throw when he's <laughs> he sleeping. He can throw anywhere. Yeah. But I think it'd be really cool to see two new, whole new teams come onto the Super Bowl and, you know, play. And I think, I think, hot take, Rams are a contender. They have a extremely destructive offense. We talked about Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, great tight end. Their defense, I mean... The Rams defense, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you got those key players on the defense. You got, again, Robert Woods, you know, Matt Stafford came from the pitiful Detroit Lions. Like Sam Donald, went from a really crappy team, came to a new franchise, new team, whole new player. I think this is awesome for Matt Stafford. i really happy for him, and I think that he can really show who he could be here. In, in LA. Yeah, I agree with that. I was on a friend's show just you know about a month or two ago, and I said I had the Rams making it to the Super Bowl. I had them, you know, winning that NFC. I think I think it'll probably be them and the Buccaneers in that title game. I think these are the top two teams. I really love the Rams defense. I mean, we've seen it so many times. Uh, you know, they're able to force turnovers. Aaron Donald specifically, so they're my Super Bowl 
pick, I think, to at least make it. I love this team, and I'm happy for Stafford, too. He's been doing a great job there. Finally, out of the misery of Detroit. All right, we'll move on then. The Miami Dolphins, the Las Vegas Raiders. This game wrapped up just about an hour or two ago. 28-31, the final score in overtime. Took it down to the final seconds. The Raiders brought it all the way down to, what, the five-yard line and just kicked chip shot field goal. It was a great game to watch, I got to say. I was watching that one for maybe about an hour or two while I was doing my homework, and I just, sometimes I just couldn't tear my ass away. It was just so exciting. It was. I think that it was pretty, pretty decent on both ends of the ball, you know. Jacoby Brissett filled the shoes of quarterback quite well, I think. I think that, you know, people were really concerned with Miami's offense with, Tua coming out on an injury, but you know, I think Jacoby filled in the shoes pretty well. They played good offense. I think that both defenses held the other team's offense, limited them to the points that they could score. And like Justin said, it was one of those games where you're like, no way they're tied again. You know, it's like you can't you can't stop watching because it was tied. Then they score. Then they tie. Then they score. I mean, double overtime. I mean, that's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. Down to the wire, and I think that, like Justin said, that chip shot sealed the deal. Well, of course it did because the game ended, but I think that it was one of those games where I think it tested both teams to see what they can really do under all that pressure. Yeah, I mean, uh, both these teams, you know, I thought maybe Miami would have a better year than they're having. Uh, Tua got hurt. You said, like you said, Pete, Jacoby Brissett came in. Um, he played pretty well. I mean, he had 215 yards passing, you know, by no means, nothing to scoff at. He had a rushing touchdown, of course. Um, early on, their defense came up big, you know, the pick six that Derek Carr threw. But, you know, the Raiders, they were able to get it together, especially in the second half of the game. They had the lead. They, they lost it. You know, the craziness comes in. But over time, they were able to win the game. Great game. Uh, again, this Raiders team, 3-0. and They look great. I think that they're a real contender this year, you know, for playoff contention at least, you know. Um, and I think they'll give um, that division, you know, the Broncos, the Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers. It's not easy by any means. And the Chiefs are in a hole right now. It's not going to be easy for them to win it this year. Chargers That's for proved sure. themselves too this week, I think. I think the Chargers really proved themselves with how much they could do, especially offensively. I mean, hey. Speaking of the Chargers, Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, 30-24 to final score here. This one was, again, great game to watch. You got Nate's guy, Justin Herbert from Oregon, showing Let's up. Let's go, Herbert. Justin Herbert, that's my guy. Taking down the powerhouse that is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I don't know. I think that you got to start questioning, really, what the Chiefs have got going on. Two losses in a row, that's already this, pretty much the same amount of losses they had la- all last season. So... I don't know. What it, What do you think about the Chiefs now? Are they still the number one team in the AFC, or is there another team that might be better now? I think it's hard to determine. I really do. It's it's week three. It's tougher to determine this year than any other year. I think that the Chiefs have a lot more competition, and, and I'm going to say, especially with the Chargers, the Chargers offense is something that I think people underestimate. I think that you know Justin Herbert really stepped up to the plate this year. It's a huge difference than last year. I don't know. I, I'd say it's a tougher spot for the Chiefs. It's a tougher fight. Do I count them out? Of course not. You never count out Mahomes and the Chiefs. But it's definitely a lot more of a battle that they have this year than they had any other year for that spot. Yeah, I was going to bring up, too, you mentioned the Chargers' offense. Is that more of a testament to the Chargers' offense or the Chiefs' defense, which the past two weeks has been very underwhelming? And that's what's going to be the weakness, and that's what possibly could bring a new number one spot. Justin smiling from ear to ear. That's nuts. That's crazy. But I'm just saying, I mean, moving forward, that is definitely a concern. I'm, you know nervous in a way for the Chiefs. I mean, you have that offense. You, you know what you're going to get. I mean, this week, Mahomes struggled. Uh, I think, you know, Chargers defense underrated. I think maybe more credit given to them. But it, it, the Chiefs defense really concerns me moving forward. They got Chris Jones in as an outside D end. He's been more of a nose tackle his entire career. That that's you know they they're gonna have they're gonna have to fix that up. Steve Spagnola is gonna have to fix that up moving forward. Yeah, and I think I, like you said, Jake. I think it's more the defense's issues than the offense. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is throwing some picks that shouldn't have been picks. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 
not running like the running back I saw last year. But again, I really think that the defense kind of let loose, you know? Like like you said, Jones moving to the outside. I don't know why you do that. I don't know what would cause that idea when you switch someone who's at the nose his whole career moving to a very new position. I don't know, but like you said, I think that we may very well see a new number one team. And just real quick, as it pertains to today's game against the Chargers, um, I feel like the thing that let the Chiefs down the most was the turnovers. I mean, you had two fumbles, um, and I believe two interceptions from Mahomes, uh, very uncharacteristic, and that killed them. Again, the defense did not play well by any means, and that is what, during the course of the season, will worry me. They're still the Chiefs. They're still going to be in the hunt and in the mix. I definitely see them making the playoffs and definitely see them making a run. Will they make it this year, though? Who knows? There could be, as you guys have said, a new number one spot um, in the AFC this year. Speaking of the number one team in the AFC, we had the Washington football team playing against the Buffalo Bills this week. A 21-43, to the final score here. An all-around dominant performance by the Bills, I have to say. Two of the touchdowns actually came on two pretty freak plays by the Washington football team. So pretty much this game was all, all Bills, and it just... On all cylinders, the Bills' defense played amazing. Josh Allen had the offense humming. Uh, I think that it was just a great overall performance. I'll give the Bills' offense a lot of credit for this game. I mean, Chase Young is one of those standout defenders for the Washington football team. He's a force to be reckoned with, but I think the Bills played it perfectly. Josh Allen, Emmanuel Sanders connected for a touchdown, for multiple passes, you know, and then Josh Allen connecting with Knox in the end zone for that crazy catch on the sideline that was reviewed like probably eight, nine, ten times. We couldn't see it, but, you know, you had to watch that over and over to make sure that they did his hand touch, you know. But I really think that the Bills worked the Washington football team's defense and they really got them like stepping over themselves, you know. They're tripping their, the, the defense up, and I think that was a crucial part. But like Justin said, the Bills defense showed up. They showed they, they showed up to play. Yeah, you know, Washington had their moments on offense where they had those breakout plays that led the scores. But I think that the Bills, like Justin said, really showed up to this game. You know, they're like, we had a really crappy loss in week one. We need to prove ourselves again. So we're going to beat the life out of the Washington football team. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they Peter, really you got a locker point. room pass. That sounded exactly what they were saying. <laughs> Lock, Peter Dude, got the locker you, room pass, everyone. The secret uh, yeah. inside reporter. Hit me up. <laughs> hit me up if you want passes. No, I'm kidding. But you can't be as a Bills fan. You cannot be mad at the at the at the Bills this week. You you cannot have a single complaint about how they played this week. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, building off of that, the Bills. Not exactly, you know. Justin took the number one team in the AFC and ran with it, as we hinted at. But yeah, I think after this week, I mean, Washington's defense was regarded as you know an underrated defense, has a lot of talent. So yeah, I think it was big for the Bills after the kind of the first few weeks, you know. Th- handled handled the week two matchup pretty pretty well uh, to uh 35 nothing shut out of the dolphins i think i mean they're starting to find that rhythm i think week one you know shortened preseason you know week one for a lot of teams uh justin mentioned on the onset i mean week one least favorite week well i mean you know guys haven't played in the preseason i think that kind of show with the bills in week one and now they're kind of getting into that rhythm do you quick quick hot take question i know it wouldn't change the game dramatically but do you think it would be a little different if ryan fitzpatrick was in the game no no i don't think so either not really i don't think so either I think that the Washington football team might be a different team facing other teams, but the Bills now. Yeah. It's just an open floor question. It's just an open floor question. I don't think so, but just wanted to get you guys' opinion on it. Yeah, just a quick note by the way. I wanted to also mention that the Baltimore Ravens ended up defeating the Detroit Lions in the final seconds of the fourth quarter with a record-setting 66-yard field goal by Justin Tucker. Kick bounced off of the crossbar and went in. Very amazing to watch. I saw it on Red Zone at the same time as the Chiefs uh, lost their game. It was an amazing moment. So I just, good job for the Ravens for getting into that position. And great job to Justin Tucker for really doing squat. What a kick. <laughs> oh Not skipping like that. Yeah. Edging out the, the Lions, 
bit concerning. We already really touched on the Ravens, but Justin Tucker, I saw a video on Instagram um, from, from a known, you know, Ravens fan, but Justin Tucker has been a top echelon kicker in the league for going on close to a decade. And oh, is there, what, when do you put him maybe in a top five, maybe all-time kickers? Of course, not the, the most, the plethora of, you know, talent as other positions, but, you know... You know, you got Rodrigo Blankage. I mean, other guys like that who've played well. But, I mean, Justin Tucker, he's been really consistent for years on end now. Just moving forward. You know forward. what I say to that? You know what I say to that? If Justin Tucker keeps kicking 60-plus yard field goals this season, <laughs> he keeps bailing out the Ravens to get game-winner kicks. If not by the end of this season, and he has a repeat season next season, he's in top five. He is yeah, one of, no, he, I'm well... He is well, I'm thinking ones. all time. I mean, of course, in the league. I but... think he okay, is. Okay, okay. I think he's already solidified a top five kicker of all time. I always yeah. personally thought he was the best of all time. I always oh, yeah. thought so. Yeah, he was. Well, he's always no, been very Justin's good, and now here. he's already proven himself. Yeah. He has. He is one of, if not the most accurate kicker in the NFL. He rarely misses, and I mean. The man just kicked a 66-yard field goal. I mean, and it wasn't even in Denver, for God's sake. It I was, mean, yeah. my goodness. And I mean, that's that's and 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 of course, 66 yards. He, put that in perspective. You also have another team charging at you to try to block that field goal. It's not just you kicking a field goal in an open field. That's not an easy shot, at, and and by any means, kudos to him for breaking the record. You know, and I think I don't know, is he the greatest of all time already? I think if he's not. He is definitely gunning for that position. And I think by far he will make it and take that even further before the end of his career. That should do it for this week's episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Thank you very much, Sean, for stepping in as a special guest today. If you would like to hear Sean on another podcast, check out the Philly Philly Sports Podcast. He is a co-host on that. Give that a listen. And if you would like future episodes of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast, check us out on Spotify and YouTube. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Anchor, for sponsoring the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Again, thank you all for listening.